In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sometimes, especially during events of great commemoration, or sometimes profound grief, something that we take part in is a remembrance of some sort, some recalling of the event, or the friends, or whatever it is that we are together to celebrate. We gather on Independence Day, to recall that on July 4th, 1776, we as a group of colonists issued a decree effectively breaking ties with Great Britain. We come together for birthdays or to celebrate significant events in our lives, be they anniversaries or job promotions. In some places, people gather to remember friends who have died or the time of coming together to remember and recall that person. We even remember those who have been lost in the defense of this country. And likewise, we as Christians gather. Now, that has been a little bit of a difficulty during this last year as we have gone through many transitions. First, we entered into a quasi-self-imposed exile. Then, we gathered virtually which also raised many theological questions and debates on sacramentality and what does it mean to be the body of Christ when we can't be physically together. Then we began the slow process of reopening and what that might look like. How do we do communion? How do we share the peace? How do we administer the sacrament of healing? Can we use prayer books and hymnals? And then there's a question that still hangs over us here today. Are we being faithful to the people who are forced to watch us remotely and can't be here with us? And then the question even arises still, do we still offer a live-streamed webcast once we are given the all-clear to open back up to full capacity? No restrictions because of a global pandemic. But we do our best to continue to be the faithful body, faithful to God. And so we gather as we can, even here now, and for some of you, even virtually. And we do this for several reasons. And they are all related around one reason, one truth that permeates and steeps our worship and our lives, and it is love. We sometimes say and use some words perhaps a little flippantly, and they begin to lose the potency of their meaning. I think love is one of those words. We say things like, I just love that tie on you, when what we really mean is that it looks good on the person wearing it. Love has nothing really to do with it. Sometimes, particularly for younger people, it's something like their car. They love it. And the car also gives them a sense of freedom, and it's usually a gift or something they have worked very hard for, and so they say they love it. Or we talk about a moment in a book or in a movie that we love, 
like when our favorite character has a fantastic line or defeats the bad guy. We love all sorts of things that we really don't mean to love, but we also betray ourselves with our language and begin to say things that we really don't mean. And that is the part of the problem when we begin to use words like love when we really mean something completely different. What does love actually mean to us when we talk about God's love for us? What does it mean when we actually talk about love and mean our love for God? Perhaps we ought to tackle the hardest one of these questions to answer first. God so loved the world. What on earth could that possibly mean? Well, for starters, we have to understand that the love of God is something that we will never fully understand on this earth or in this life. We can begin to fathom it. We can uh, catch glimpses of it. We can see it all around us. But it is something far too wonderful, far beyond our knowing. What we do know is this. God's love is expressed in the person of Jesus and what we can learn from him. And part of that is the self-sacrificing love that we see demonstrated on the cross. It is also the same self-sacrificing love of the forgiveness of sins. It is also the self-sacrificing love that God had the audacity to take the form of man, to be born, to be like one of us. And it is not merely a warm and fuzzy feeling from God. It is the knowledge of all that we have seen and all that we know and all that we continue to learn. But it is not ending, nor is God's love fleeting. It does not flag nor fail. It is constant. It's continuing and it grows beyond the realms of our time and our space. It is the truest form of infinite love. Infinite love. And then there is us. There is both how we fit into the scheme of God's love and also the scheme of the cosmos. Our word here in this famous verse is not actually world, as in the planet Earth, but cosmos, as in everything in the universe. Everything, as we say, visible and invisible, or seen and unseen in our creeds. And God's redemptive love is not just about us. But it is about putting all of creation, all of our lives, but also all of time and space and matter into right order as well. 
And yes, it is our own humanity that benefits, but it is also our own humanity that has an active role in that restoration. We have a calling to join in the restoration of the creation. That is why God gave his son. That is why God became man. And it is why we are called into that active participation in the restoration of the world. Now, how do we know what to do? How do we know how to demonstrate this love? How do we know what our role is? or where it is, or how even to begin, well, that is where we have to start our remembering. And there is a primary way that we do that. And it is this, right here, right now. It is this gathering of the church that helps us remember. It is coming here to this rail or to these steps and receiving the body of Christ. You see, when we gather together, we are the body of Christ. And we gather as the body to share in the partaking of the body of Christ as revealed to us in bread and wine. And we go forth into this world to be the scattered body of Christ until we return either next week or on Wednesday or some other time to remember, to remember again, to become members of Christ's body once again as a corporate unit, a corporate body. And what do we remember as we gather? We remember and recount the saving acts of God that are fulfilled through his love. Listen carefully to our prayers and to our readings. And we learn and we hear again and again. And we are equipped to go forth. It is in this remembering, in this holy communion, that informs us and enables us. At the end of our liturgy, we are going to pray that the grace of this Holy Communion will assist us to do all such good works as thou hast prepared for us to walk in. It is not just about us coming and receiving bread. It is not just about saying prayers and hearing the scriptures. It isn't even about us singing some songs and hearing a sermon. It is about us remembering this love of God, remembering how much our blessed Lord Jesus Christ loved us and loves us still. It is about us leaving here different, than we were just mere minutes ago. It is about us being equipped to do those things that we are called to do. That is why it is so critical 
for us to come together. It is vital for Christians to meet with one another week after week after week. This is that time during the week when we pause and we look our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in the eye and we share in God's love and in God's peace and then we bid that peace and love to each other and we take bread that is broken into many parts and we say that though we are many, we are one. You can't share in that on the golf course or in the mountains or wherever you happen to be alone when you purposely separate yourself from the body of Christ. And that is part of the reason why this pandemic has been so grievous to us, so hard to cope with, and is sometimes so discouraging because we know we should be together, especially when we can't. Remembrance and love go hand in hand. We cannot remember that which we haven't experienced, but we also must remember that love so we can share it and demonstrate it to a world that has either forgotten it or to a world that has never known that love. Some words from a 17th century Spanish poem as translated by Edward Caswell. Then why, most loving Jesus Christ, should I not love thee well? not for the sake of winning heaven, nor any fear of hell, not with the hope of gaining aught, nor seeking a reward, but as thou hast loved me, O ever-loving Lord, even so I love thee and will love. And in thy praise will sing solely because thou art my God and my eternal King. From a hymn by Father Frederick William Faber, which we sang a few moments ago. For the love of God is broader than the measure of man's mind. And the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. A prayer of St. Ephraim the Syrian. O Lord and Master of my life, keep from me the spirit of indifference and discouragement, lust of power and idle chatter. Instead, Grant to me, your servant, the spirit of wholeness of being, humble-mindedness, patience, and love. O Lord and King, 
Grant me the grace to be aware of my sins and not to judge my brothers. For you are blessed now and ever and forever. Amen.